This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering. First. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train. The way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Oi, oi. Welcome to episode two of the World's Best Construction Podcast. We are going to have it today. You guys ready? Oh, yes, I'm ready. Man. I'm ready. Good, <laughs> good. good. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Fred Mills. I'm the founder, face, voice of the B1M. And today I'm joined by Liam Marsh, who's the B1M's head of content partnerships all the way from Sydney, Australia. And Luke Bly, one of our creative producers uh, in charge of podcasting. How are you doing, lads? Hello, mate. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm having a great week. Ready to get stuck in and talk about some construction. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. All good down under? Anything, any news to report? Not really, mate. Not really. It's nice and sunny here. Um, I've been doing some shopping around. I'm looking to buy a, a little motorbike to, to get around on in the summer over here. <laughs> Other than that, just, just working, the usual, really. Very and nice. That, so you can, you can quickly ride down to Sydney, downtown Sydney, and... Look at all the beautiful buildings being built. <laughs> That's exactly it, mate. That's exactly Maybe do it. some art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> blimey. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I'll jump in quick. Yeah, no, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. It's been it's been warm, but it's a bit cooler now. And again, I, I was just up London uh, yesterday for a little family day, which was nice. And as per usual, you know, I'm I'm doing the usual spiel telling people oh yeah this is uh this is 55 uh, bishop's gate this is pretty naughty pretty cheeky <laughs> you know this is being built over here that's being built over there but yeah ready to get into some construction talk mate as Absolutely. always as always Absolutely. how are you fred you okay mate yeah good usual usual kind of exhausted too much going on uh but it's all it's all really good fun like the the, the pace and adrenaline of the B1M is absolutely incredible. Like every day is like a week. I'm exhausted. It's a thousand degrees in the UK, um, mm. but you know it's good fun. Get to live, get to live my dream. And we've got some really good content that's come out this week. Some really good stuff to fill you guys in on. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, some pretty cool projects to have a chat about. Um, so coming your way on this episode, guys, we have got inside the world's first undersea roundabout in the Faroe Islands, which came out on the B1M yesterday. Uh, Whatever Happened to Hyperloop, a pretty divisive video that came out on Tomorrow's Build back on Tuesday. Also, an ancient face mask inspired museum in China, uh, along with funny comment of the week and some of your emails. Let's go. So kicking us off this week, guys, we have got uh, the world's first undersea roundabout, a very special video which came out on the B1M yesterday. Uh, all about the Faroe Islands. Now, I'm laughing because there is a bit of a funny story to go with this, which we're going to come on to in a minute. First of all, tell you about this project. If you haven't seen the video yet um, and kind of what this is all about, going from the top, basically, the Faroe Islands are a remote group of islands north of Scotland and between Iceland and Norway, kind of where the North Sea meets the Arctic Ocean. Do you guys kind of got a picture in your head of where I am in the world here? Sounds cold, mate. Yeah, <laughs> cold, cold and remote. Um, officially part of Denmark, they are a self-governing archipelago, which I thought was a type of bishop, but uh, it's uh, apparently an island chain. Um, oh. So <laughs> officially, officially part of Denmark, but kind of their own thing. Um, very remote, very beautiful. Kind of looks like a uh, the love child of Iceland and Scotland, as it would be in that kind of part of the world, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, what a way to put it. What it does, it? Yeah, it's true. It's a, it's a bit like Greenland. Greenland's like that, right? It's kind of part of Denmark, but it kind of rules itself. And yeah, America tried to, 
Huh? Greenland left the EU. It was always the example when Brexit was happening. They were like, oh, the only country to have left the EU before was Greenland. And they're much smaller. And yeah. I do you know what? I had no idea because Greenland's like North America, isn't it? Didn't know the US tried to buy Greenland. They were they were floating the idea of buying it a few years ago, weren't they? It's, it, they keep doing that. And there's a reason why they keep doing it. I think there was a New York Times piece on it. Um, but it, yeah, it's an interesting story about why they're trying to do it. Also, just we've, we've sidetracked here into Greenland. But when you fly yeah. from the UK to California, uh, you kind of go on one of these polar flights, which kind of goes up and over the North Pole and over Greenland. And the views of Greenland out the window are absolutely incredible. My last flight to LA, yeah. everyone was like sat watching movies, eating eating the food. And I've got the window blind open, just taking pictures because it's like, this <laughs> is so cool. <laughs> proper, proper. Yeah, case. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I've done that route. I've done that route as well. And it, I think I did it in like uh, March. So there's still, it's still all just snow covered. And it's when you start to see like changes in the, in the um, like, like mountains and whatnot, the scenery. Oh man, it is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. But I don't know, has um, the Faroe Islands, like, is, has anyone tried to buy them? <laughs> if not, we should. Not that I'm aware of. So and by we, I mean the B1M. Yeah, <laughs> rebrand it as the, the B1M. Um, it's it, so it's incredibly remote. It was actually used by the. It was used as an airbase by the British in the Second World War because it was kind of quite a strategic, good little site uh, in the in the Atlantic. Um, but then only had only started really having an airstrip and getting flights from the eighties. Um, anyway, it's incredibly remote. Fifty three thousand people live there, along with seventy thousand sheep. Which, for anyone doing the math, is one point three two oh. sheep per people. <laughs> Wales has a bit of competition from the sounds of it. Does mate a lot of sheep here? Mm. Um, and but the but 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 this crazy little remote barely inhabited location is building two massive new tunnels costing 700 million US dollars um they've got different names so the Estroy tunnel opened in 2020 that's 11 kilometers long has its own radio station you can listen to on the eight minute drive uh through it between the islands um and also features this incredible what they call jellyfish roundabout so it's kind of this roundabout that's been carved out around a huge column of curving rock that they've then very beautifully lit up with all different colours, and it looks very, very cool. Um, some 72 metres beneath the sea, that roundabout. Incredible, incredible feat of engineering. But then the Sandoy Tunnel, which is due to open in 2023, is 22 kilometres long, um, and that's the one that's going to cut a 64-minute commute down to just 16 minutes and bring what is a very, you know, the Faroe Islands is already remote, but you've got a very remote community are going to be connected more to the main island and the main capital of the Faroe Islands. So um, huge, huge feats of engineering, incredible construction happening in a breathtakingly beautiful and remote location. Um, but that's not <laughs> that's not the, that's not all this story. Uh, <laughs> we we tried to film on location there. So um, amazingly, the Faroe the Faroe Islands travel authority uh, tourism board wanted to fund the b1m filming there because of the exposure that it would give them for the faroe islands on the b1m obviously because it's like you know an amazing youtube channel in case you didn't know Arms. <laughs> subtle subtle hint. um <laughs> but we didn't realize that getting there yeah, is a bit of a nightmare and it's kind of kind of touch or go so and uh, liam is <laughs> liam is across this story because he was uh enduring me and my mood throughout this whole experience. <laughs> um, but basically, we we couldn't get to the Faroe Islands because of the weather. So all the flights were called off for like days. We'd already started our journey. I, I'll, I'll go from the top here because there's the, basically in this video we put out yesterday, I look exhausted at the start of it. We do like a bit in our hotel room saying why I couldn't get there. And it wasn't until I watched the edit back that I realized how tired I looked. Um, and I feel I need to explain it to the world. Um, so long yeah, story. Don't. Don't worry, everyone. Don't worry, everyone. I don't usually look like that. Yeah. yeah. Usually I'm sexy and attractive and. Yeah. Well, the sexy face of the B1M, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Which we say sarcastically. <laughs> 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 Which everyone knows is sarcastic. You must be joking when he says that. <laughs> so it, it got rearranged. The Fairlands trip got rearranged because the weather initially, anyway. Um, but a long story, the week before I was filming all nights overnight on a Monday on a secret project that I can't talk about yet until it comes out later this summer. But we were filming 
through the night with a construction team. Very, very cool. That got moved because of the weather and it ended up being on the Monday night before the Faroe Islands. And then I basically did an all-nighter, came into the podcast intro on a Tuesday morning, had three crazy days of work, and then went to my brother-in-law-to-be's Stagadoo in Prague on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, for anyone's close to me will know how much I love a stag too. So that was that was a bit of a, a bit of a bit of a tiring challenge. And then got back to the UK on Sunday. It was a thousand degrees in the UK that day because we've burnt fossil fuels for the best part of a century and ignored what scientists told us. Um, <laughs> t- turned my clothes around, got back to Gatwick Airport for seven a.m. on the Monday like a ghost. I was a zombie. Literally, I've never been so tired in my life. Um, flew to Copenhagen to then get a connecting flight to the Faroe Islands, but then when we got to Copenhagen, the all the flights to the Faroe Islands got cancelled. We couldn't get back to the UK. Um, there was a point where so the, <laughs> we had to collect our baggage again. So we'd already checked in to go to the Faroe Islands, but then had to uncheck out and, and ended up like landside in Copenhagen Airport. Um, there were the, the Faroese swim team were there. They were coming back from some sort of competition. <laughs> There's this swim coach going crazy. Did you get um, a photo with them? I didn't, mate, because he was he was very nah. angry. Um, as as I would be, you know, you're trying to fly with a group of kids, and um, it was <laughs> it all gone wrong. Um, there was a moment where I, I was trying to book us into a hotel. And I managed to beat the Faroese swim team to this hotel and get and get some rooms for me and the B one M team that were with me. Ah, um, oh, those poor kids! I know, mate. I I, <laughs> I then realised because he got to the counter next to me and there weren't any rooms. I'd, I'd quickly gone on sort of booking dot com. Um, yeah. So anyway, I ended up. It was it was a write off. Basically, we decided we couldn't go because we, we weren't going to be able to get back. Um, I look absolutely exhausted in a video that's now published on YouTube. So, um, yeah, what do you guys think of all this? Yeah, um, terrible story, mate, but to, on the video, <laughs> <laughs> what an intro. Like, what an intro to the documentary. I think the video editors at the B1M are absolutely killing the intros lately. I, I literally felt like I was watching a, a David Attenborough documentary with that beautiful yeah. footage, <laughs> the drone flying around, really took me to another world. Um, and I mean, Fred, you you did look knackered, mate. You look you look terrible. But on the plus side, <laughs> your biceps look pretty great, mate. It looks like you you did a few bicep curls in between filming. That you know, yeah, I was after we recorded it. I walked away going, "Oh God, I haven't been to the gym for a week, and I can't believe it's going to go on YouTube." I should have I should have done some press ups, like rubbish. Um, mate. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. That's, that's, that's made my self confidence go up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Always time for a pump, mate. Always time for a pump. <laughs> <laughs> aside from uh, aside from my my terrible travel story uh, and and the catastrophe of us getting there and not filming it, what did you guys think of the actual the actual video and this project? It's pretty pretty immense, right? It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, really, really fantastic. I I think the first thing that stood out to me, mate, was just like almost the ethics of it. You know, because this smaller island is the smaller island Sandoy. Uh, in terms of population, yeah, yeah. Now, all oh, right, yeah. So, in population, I meant. So, um, you know, it, 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 there's probably some people that might think, "Well, there's no point doing a tunnel to Sandoy or connecting it to the main island because there's it doesn't serve enough people." But the idea of these tunnels is to really like unify the people on the Faroe Islands and to really treat it like it's one country because it is one country. It is one place. And I love that attitude. I really, really love that attitude. That's what I got from it. Plus it looks absolutely gorgeous. Really nice. Really, really nice. I was a bit confused at one point. It was like, oh yeah. So Daniel Craig um, has, uh, not just Fred Mills isn't just the only sexy face that's been to the, (laughs) islands recently but neither of those are true because fred didn't go there but neither did daniel craig but they filmed some of 007 there so what what filming did they actually do at the pharaohs i know so this is when we were when we were stuck in copenhagen airport um buying extremely expensive coffee and kind of work out what the hell to do um we were doing a bit of googling and it turned out obviously because I, I knew that no time to die was filmed in the pharaoh islands it's a very beautiful location yeah. But there was there was a huge issues. Hundreds of people got delayed and held up and couldn't get to the couldn't get to the Faroe Islands for days because of the same issue that we were facing. Um, and Daniel Craig never never made it. He wasn't there. 
but you wouldn't know that from the film because the, the way they right. cut it in is very clever. But so this is like a regular thing. Is it is that right? Like, yeah. is it kind of they're just used to it? They're like, yeah, oh yeah, no, we're not going to go today because it, it the, the conditions aren't right. Is that right? Yeah, it's it can get very foggy. Basically, now there is there is a ferry. Um, my video editor Jim, who injured uh, one of our video editors who was with us on the strip, Jim, uh, who's done an incredible job with the edit found out that you can get a ferry you can get a ferry from copenhagen to the faroe islands it takes 40 hours uh and if anyone's had a look at the video yet there is a clip in there of the the ocean being a little bit choppy should we uh (laughs) should we call it that yeah (laughs) unbelievable his boat's tossed around and yeah yeah i think that's quite normal for them i saw uh i I did some um searching on youtube as well i was just quite interested to see how big the waves get and you know if there's any footage from boats and things like that and there's a there's a video online of a bunch of just commuters, people just going over to the islands, and the swell is huge. Like if if any of us were on the boat, we would be scared. I'd be I'd be on the floor. I'd be freaking out. I'd be wearing a life jacket. I'd be running around. Where's the life jacket? <laughs> I saw that. I saw yeah. that. Was that was that in Australia? Was was that near you guys? I think it was. Right. Yeah. 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 I think so. Um. Yeah, mate. But everyone's just so calm and just relaxed, getting the ferry. I was yeah. just—I like, couldn't think of anything worse. So you imagine yeah. how how big the swell would be in the Faroes. You know what I mean? When they get those yeah, big storms, forty hours. Like yeah, forty hours turns um, into eighty hours. I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm good. So a, lot, a lot of the a lot of the travelling, commuting in the Faroes is done by the ferry if it's running. So forget going Copenhagen to Faroes. If you want to go between islands in the Faroes, a lot of it's done by these little ferries. There's a few bridges here and there, but so it was in the 1960s they started getting really into tunneling as a way to kind of get more surety. You know, you, you, a tunnel doesn't matter what the weather's doing; you can just you know crack on. Um, they've now got 50 kilometers of tunnels on these islands that are home to just 53,000 people. So, yeah, That's it's mad. It's, yeah, it's this amazing place. It really is this incredible kind of off the beaten track, unheard of, beautiful location that's doing an amazing construction mm. project. And for us, the reason for going there was because, you know, we know that remote locations works really well on B1M, cool, unheard of infrastructure, um, transporting people to places they haven't been before. That was the idea, but uh, mm. <laughs> somewhat backfired. <laughs> did you, uh, do we say in the video that it's the second largest tunnel in the world, or second longest tunnel in the world as well? Second longest tunnel you can drive through. Yeah. Ah, great. Right. Right, right. But the Sandoy Tunnel, I think, will be the longest when it opens. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's insane. And I like, like some of these facts are ridiculous. Like, um, it cuts a 64-minute commute. That, again, you know, depends if, the, if it's running, the ferry this is. Right, depends if it's running, depends on conditions, depends on loads of this stuff. It cuts that to 16 minutes. That's a game changer, right? That is Ridic- that is a complete change of lifestyle yeah. for people that are living there. Like, this is a huge deal. I like that in the video it mentions quite a lot that the Norwegians, they're, they're, but this is basically modeled on the Norwegian technique of tunneling, um, which is, of course, in Norway, they have some crazy terrain, crazy t- terrain to deal with. And um, I noticed that. I went to last year, I went to Tromso. In the north of Norway, so oh, that's I really want to go. Circle. Is it good? I really want to go. Unreal, it- mate. Unreal. Yeah, unreal. Saw the Northern Lights twice. It was, wow. it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, absolutely gorgeous. Now in Tromso, we also went on an underground roundabout. Right, so you're going through these like mountains in between, like the airport to the other side of this mountain to, to where the actual town is, and there was an underground roundabout. And even then, I was thinking, what is this? Like the infrastructure in Norway. And I've been to Oslo as well. I love the Nordic countries, so like De- Denmark, Sweden. Um, the infrastructure, particularly in Norway, is outstanding. It is absolutely outstanding. It's outstanding, and the government just pump money into this stuff. They just yeah. pump money, but they got the money to do it. Um, uh, they've had they've had to, I guess. What they if they, they want to get around, they want people to be connected in the economy to run. They're gonna have to get yeah. good at this stuff. Yeah, they, they've 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 basically future-proofed haven't they they're future-proofed and that's what the pharaohs are doing that's what that's what the islands are doing you know and i think that that is so smart 
And when, when I saw the video, I can't lie, I was like, man, this is like identical to the roundabout I saw in Tromso, <laughs> like that underground sort of thing. But the lighting maybe is not as snazzy. Um, in the Faro video, you guys were saying, oh, yeah, some people are calling it like the squid or something like that, or the octopus, Jellyfish. what was it? Jellyfish, Jellyfish oh, roundabout, Close yeah. enough. One, one of them, right, one of them. <laughs> and... <laughs> But I, I was like, oh, mate, that's a bit of a reach, isn't it? That's a bit of a reach. doesn't really look like a jellyfish. <laughs> it's just an underground roundabout. Like, just, yeah. But what it gets me good. is how, like, good. how, how we, we, I think we, I certainly, living in the south of the UK, take for granted how connected to the world I am. But people here are, before these tunnels, were so cut off. I mean, even this, this you know, Sandoy Island is still very remote and, yeah, when we were traveling there and planning the film shoot, we're like, well, you know, worst case scenario, if someone gets injured or something goes wrong, we had to have a first aid kit with us. But, you know, what's the, what's the medical situation? Where's the hospital? How do you get to the hospital if the ferry isn't running? All this kind of stuff. Um, I think our, our producer, producer Jaden, that works with us, uh, which is now, now our head of content, um, who in, also endured the, the Copenhagen travel experience. Shout out to Jaden. Um, she was saying to me that when women are pregnant, when they get to the towards the end of their pregnancy, they have to go and move and live on the main island near the hospital because if they go into labour on a day the ferry isn't running, um, wow, yeah, tough time. That's mad. <laughs> Whoa, it's so easy, especially because like Fred, you and I live near London. We live in the southeast of England. Um, Liam, you're in like Sydney at the moment. Like it's so easy just to be caught up in the conveniences of living in that kind of lifestyle where in the reality there's so many places around the world you know not just the Faroe Islands you know and you might not even be on an island you could just be remote somewhere maybe even in our own countries you know there's especially in the Outback you know there's got to be <laughs> people that are like you know it's a lot harder to do those everyday things and we just take it for granted and yet infrastructure projects like this when they're designed well, when they're planned well, you know, they can completely change people's lives and communities' lives. They can actually help communities, but they can hinder them too. But I'll, 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 I won't lie, mate, like this just seems like a benefit all round. Like I, I'm not seeing much negativity about this whatsoever. Um, no, I mean, it's worth saying it is, it is pricey. You know, if you take 700 mm, million mm. US dollars and divide it by 53,000 people, that's a lot of money per head. I think over $7,000 per head. It's, you know, as compared to other infrastructure projects, it's a lot of money. But then it makes an outsized difference to many, many people's lives. As you said earlier, it literally changes their lives. Um, so I guess it, yeah. I guess it's a payoff. Yeah. yeah, I saw there. I saw there was one thing um, from the locals that they were worried about traffic jams because they've only got three traffic lights. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Wow, <laughs> is that the only worry, worry you've got?" Um, yeah, it's quite copable, is it not? I was thinking this morning, like, what's my definition of remote? Is it to do with how far? Because because I, I was conscious we we're going to be calling this a remote location. Some people might be like, "Well, it's not really that remote." Is it physical distance from something else? That's kind of one definition. Or is it how connected something is? Because I feel like Iceland is kind of equally as remote geographically as the Faroe Islands, but it's got a very established airport. There's a lot of airlines that fly there repeatedly. It's got a different grade of runway, which can enable more planes to land there in bad weather. So it feels less remote. There's more people living there. It's more established. So I don't know, is it is it distance or is it connectivity or is it kind of a bit of a blend of both? I would argue that it's connectivity. You know, if you've not got the infrastructure in place, you know, if you've not got those connections, then, you know, good on you, mate. You know, you're not <laughs> going to be doing, you ain't going to be doing that well, are you? Do you know what I mean? Like if, let's say if there was an island off the coast of uh, America somewhere and there weren't any bridges going to it, and there weren't any tunnels going to it. Few people live there, and you can only land an aeroplane there when the weather's good. You, do you know what I mean? Like that is—it it doesn't matter if you're like a few miles off the coast of wherever in in, in the states. You, you're not well connected. You are more isolated. Whereas yeah. if you're in the middle of the Caribbean, if you've got a good runway, then yeah, 
you're way more connected, aren't you? It's just <laughs> definitely, and and that's kind of how the world has has moved. You know, we've moved into this kind of global uh, culture where, yeah, you can just like have a podcast meeting, you and I, Fred, in the same country, and then Liam is in a completely different continent in a different time zone. Do you know what I mean? That's the magic of what like kind of age we're living in at the moment. But for a lot of people. You know, it's, it's, again, it's not always like that. It's not always like that. And I mean, I even felt like that when I was a kid living in Devon. Like I lived in a small village in the middle of nowhere in between Exeter and Barnstable. And it's ridiculous how cut off from the world you can feel. Like, oh, yeah, mum, can we go cinema? Yeah, all right. Well, that's an hour away. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. <laughs> what about going to the shops? Nah, that's again, like 50 Mate. minutes away. Bits you know, of Devon. Bits of Devon, particularly Dartmoor, are like the ends of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes to get to, like we used to see, some, we some we used places to s- like Tavistock in particular. Shout out to Tavistock, yeah. beautiful, beautiful town, but very. <laughs> to Tavistock, I love Tavistock. <laughs> very hard, very hard to get to for, for somebody from London. You know, coming out. Where's yeah. the tube? What's the Wi-Fi? Uh, <laughs> it's very hard to get connected to. <laughs> there's there's a prison in the middle of Dartmoor as well, isn't there? Which is eerily there's a, there's a huge maximum security prison out in the middle of the moors um yes yeah yeah we used to see darmore from our uh from our garden and from our uh kitchen window you know so it's always looming over you and uh <laughs> and again like what we're saying this is us this is our country you know this is where we live in and yet there are places in it that do feel really cut off but that infrastructure can completely change that you know and that's kind of what motorways did you know, for a lot of it, like the highway projects in, in the US post-war, that was massive. You know, that, that changed the American economy. That changed the modern world. And I think here, yes, it is super expensive. I mean, what was it? that you, we, we got a, um, a digit here, $7,500 per head. Yeah. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of money. However, if this thing has longevity in it if this thing is going to last for a long time then it's not just seven thousand five hundred dollars per head is it it's seven thousand five hundred dollars per like family almost it suddenly gets a lot cheaper because it's long term and i think sometimes some companies or even governments whatever they're not always looking at the long, long term. Sometimes it is about short term. Sometimes it is all about money. Sometimes you just got to like, you, you, you just got to bite the bullet and jump in and invest. And, you know, it's going to work out for the people. And I, I, I get the feeling this is what this is. I think it's really impressive. Shame you can go though, mate. Mate, I'm just about to say, I, I really <laughs> want to, confirmed to we are committed to still going we're going to work with the Faroese tourism board to get there on the ground um and show you this up close and really get a get a flavor of life in the Faroe Islands and what it means to people on the ground that's the bit that's missing from this video that I, I really wanted to get in there um I'm also quite keen to see the Northern Lights um only Northern Lights I've seen recently are on the Leeds one-way system when we found up there uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other day so yeah we were I was in me and, my, me, me, yeah, me and my missus went to Iceland, I think, 2014. It was amazing. Had a great time. Uh, and it was cloudy on the Northern Lights Day, which was uh, really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's always that risk, hey? There's always that risk. We actually, when we landed in Tromso, we saw it on the night that we landed in the town. Wow. So we didn't even have to go out like into the wilderness or anything. We were just, um, I think my missus was just like looking out the window. I was like asleep. I was like face down on the bed asleep and my missus was looking out the window and she was going is that a cloud over there mm. and i was like i don't know she was like oh there's a really weird gray cloud that's moving weird like a ufo or something <laughs> and i look out and i'm like oh, i don't know and i get my camera and i do a long exposure on it just like a few seconds worth and it comes up green and i'm yeah, like oh wow it- so at first isn't yeah. it the, the 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 pictures and what you see with your naked eye are two very different things with the northern yeah, light. they they are a wee bit. They are a wee bit, but it starts off more grey and then goes more green as it as it wow. goes on. Do you know what I mean? And um, but even with your naked eye, it's it's really weird. It's one of those things you look at and you you're going, wow, that just doesn't. It doesn't look real. It looks like it's some very good CGI. 
You know, your brain yeah, kind of yeah. can't comprehend it. It's very odd. So it's one thing looking at it in pictures and whatnot. So, yeah, I've seen a lot more people visiting, you know, the Faroe Islands. A lot of photographers go there. Mm. Like, it's it's become a lot more popular with travel photographers and uh, nature photographers as well, Wait, I think. Part, part of this, I was going purely for my Instagram account. I was, <laughs> was a lot of, of I was course. like, imagine the Instagram fodder I can get on the Faroe Islands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. yeah, I think the, the proper name for the Northern Lights, I'm not going to embarrass myself here, is the Aurora, Borea, Aurora Borealis? Or the, the, the Southern yeah. one's called something different. Am I That's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. It's something like that, mate. We'll roll with it. <laughs> Can't be bothered to Google it. If I've got that wrong, let us know. Um, guys, we want to know what you think about this. So email us podcast at the b1m.com. Um, let me know if you think I look knackered in the video. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what you thought of the video. What you think of this project. Um, also, big shout out to everyone in the Faroe Islands. Uh, we love you guys. Looking forward to being there soon. Uh, yeah, let's go. So also this week, guys, back on Tuesday, we brought out Whatever Happens to Hyperloop on our Tomorrow's Build channel. Um, obviously, slightly provocative title, uh, slightly provocative subject area. <laughs> always always high interest in Hyperloop. Um, for anyone that's not aware, I think probably we should go from the top here and just explain what Hyperloop actually is. So if you're not aware of this, uh, it's this new form of transportation system or a new idea for a form of transportation system where passenger pods would travel in these sealed tubes, in pressurized tubes that have, that have been turned into a vacuum, uh, moved along by magnetic levitation and electric propulsion. The idea of a vacuum tube is that you could remove friction and air resistance, which are kind of the two things that tend to slow uh, vehicles down whatever, and any type of transportation down. Um magnetic levitation makes these pods basically float in this vacuum in these tubes and enables them in theory to move at speeds that are faster than an airplane which could completely transform transportation and travel worldwide mm. um if it sounds like a bit of a far-fetched idea that's probably <laughs> probably because it is it's been kind of touted <laughs> as a new form of transportation system since uh, our mate elon musk um everyone's favorite billionaire came out and kind of re-pitched an old idea in 2013 and called it Hyperloop, uh, made the idea open source, meaning that kind of anyone could take his concept and and build and, and develop the technology. Q firms like Hyperloop Transportation Technologies, Hyperloop TT, uh, Heart Hyperloop, Zelleros, and many others all kind of having a go at building a Hyperloop, developing the technology, making it happen, building test tracks in the desert. Um, but way out in front, was probably or probably arguably Virgin Hyperloop. I think I don't know. Yeah, they're they're pretty much the front runner. Um, so that came about because Hyperloop One was founded by this ex Virgin Group employee called Josh Geigel, who I've interviewed before. Really nice guy, um, very visionary guy. It was then bought by Virgin and rebranded Virgin Hyperloop. Virgin Hyperloop did the first passenger test back in November 2020. Cheeky shout out to the uh, to that day because we did uh, well. We got an exclusive mm-hmm. interview with Sir Richard Branson that day about uh, Hyperloop's passenger test, which was great. Huge, huge moment for the B one M. Still one of my favorite videos on the B one M because we got Richard Branson uh, in an interview, which is incredibly, incredibly cool. Um, but it's worth saying as skeptics have been building over the years. There's now even more skeptics than before. Um, a lot of the big players. Uh, have switched to freight so that they're, they're kind of giving up on passenger services for the minute and focused on trying to do hyperloop for freight services first of all um uh, yeah that's kind of kind of where we are virgin virgin in made that move as well start of the year laid off around half their staff a lot of the passenger development team um was scaled down so they could pivot and focus on on freight that's the background what do you guys think of all this it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Hyperloop's one of those things where, personally, I do think it's kind of cool. Um, you know, it's technology that we don't we, we don't see every day, and in theory, it's kind of ace. That I think the example in the video and one of the examples that's always um, talked about is cutting the travel time between Los Angeles and San Francisco. You know, what what is it normally like? You have to drive to LAX 
which is a nightmare. Driving in Los Angeles is ridiculous anyway. That's, that's three days right there. <laughs> yeah, right. right. That's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you've got to you know, get to the airport early. You've then got to fly to San Francisco. You know, by the time you've done all that, you know, you might be better off just driving anyway. You know, um, it, it, something like this could radically change that. You know, and we're just thinking of one example. Imagine where else it could change. Now, it's easy to say all of that, and it's easy to to get caught up in that kind of belief and that hype, maybe that vision. You know, which all of us do because you know we're not visionaries. We're, we're you know we're the people that li- look at this stuff and go, "Oh, that's quite cool." We've always got opinions on it, but we're not the engineers. We're not the people going, "Yeah, this is this is going to fix this a massive problem, revolutionize travel." We don't do that. So it's easy for us to kind of just armchair critique it. But but um, there are some problems with it, right? There are some things where you're like, this obviously doesn't it, – it's not solid, you know? Um, <laughs> like even, even the – That's, the, that's the, generous. The, yeah, because even the pods, right, even the pods themselves, you know, they can't carry loads of people in them. Um, there's, you know, you'd have to build two tunnels effectively, one for going, like, say, just for example, one going north, one going southbound. Um, and, you know, while one's in use, is the, are you allowed to shove another pod down there or do you have to wait for them to go to the other end? There's so, there's so many complexities to it. And also there's the elephant in the room maybe being that if one part is damaged on that track, a bit like a, a, a rail system, it can jeopardize the whole thing, right? Yeah. Except with, with rail, if one stop isn't working, you can still effectively use the rest of the line, right? You just can't use it up to that point. With, with Hyperloop, if one bit's done, then the whole thing is damaged, right? That's my understanding of it, is that it's, it's a vacuum sealed thing. So if, if one bit's loose or is open, then it breaks the whole thing. Again, I could be wrong with my knowledge here, but I like the idea and I'm sure that the concept somewhere in the future could be used because, you know, we're looking at undeniable like figures and speed here, right? Um, but I'm just not sure if the way we're thinking about it right now is the future. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd say not much has really happened, progressed over the last few years, right? Obviously, that's why the the reversing and going down the cargo route. I think um, most of it, most of the info that's out there as well um, is just really cool CGI, right? You look at the video, there's just really, really cool CGI. It kind of reminds me of something you'd see in um, that 90s movie Demolition Man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a film. It does, yeah. What a film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to see where it goes with the cargo route. I, th- I think it's quite easy for people to form like a negative opinion about new tech or new innovation um, yeah. and just sort of dismiss it quite early. Um, but like you are saying, Luke, we're not the engineers, we're not the people on the ground, actually, the, the technicians and things. Um, yeah. It'd be interesting to see what comes from it. If it's not Hyperloop, as in new technologies you can take from that and use it in other concepts and industries and things like that. Um yeah, I'd like to see it successful. I think I think it's pretty cool. What is it, twelve hundred kilometers per hour? The fastest um, way to travel on Earth, um, if they can actually pull mm-hmm. it off. Um, but then you've got to take in the the G force effects, right? Isn't it zero point two Gs makes you a bit nauseous, and this is double that. So I'm not sure how you'd sort of counter that. You know, you're just going to have a have a normal commute to work, and you're hitting G force. Drug everyone, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Staggering like, to the yeah. office. Yeah, I think that the vision and the principle is incredibly exciting. And like you say, the the this idea, the concept of transforming transportation between cities is it feels very exciting. But then when you you come down to the the practicalities of actually making it happen, you suddenly it throws up more questions than answers. And I think the the B one M channel's done stuff on Hyperloop over the over the years. We've done our first explainer video which is probably one of the first big hit videos we had on b1m which tried to explain and, and kind of question a lot of these these challenges and holdbacks at an early stage um we had it with the the, the richard branson interview as well we, we are, i asked him to his face directly absolutely terrifying what do you say to people who think this isn't going to go anywhere um 
so the critics have been around for a while, but it's all the stuff that comes to mind. Like, yeah, what happens if one of the tubes ruptures? How the hell do you maintain a vacuum over enormous distances? What happens with earthquakes, subsidence, people sabotaging tubes or, you know, having a spray painting a column out in the desert and damaging it or something? And, you know, it's it throws up more questions than answers. But then I don't think... I don't know. People get quite frustrated with my view on Hyperloop, but I, I'm a naturally quite optimistic entrepreneurial person, so I tend to look mm. for the. Well, just because everyone says it can't be done, that's not a reason to pack up and go. Yeah. Oh well, move on. It's more like, okay, well, how do we make this happen? I know it's not been done before. I know you can't get it in your heads, but how do we make this happen? I think that's there's different types of people in the world. Yeah, this kind of stuff. Could you you could even look at um you know the first cell phone that was invented in I think it was invented in 1983. That was dismissed as they were dismissed as toys for the rich, right? So they cost I think they cost around about four thousand US dollars back then, which was which is the equivalent to to ten thousand dollars now. They weighed just under a kilo, so one uh, just under (laughs) I think it's two pounds. Uh, They're a foot tall. They took ten hours to charge, and they delivered thirty minutes of talk time. Um, so, you know, it was a joke at the time, but then you look at far, how far phones have come in that time, you know, people can't live without them. And I'm not saying it's the same, but it's kind of is in the, in its principle. Like if you were yeah. to take YouTube, if you had YouTube back then, but no cell phones and we created a video, so the B1M was around and we created a video on the future of phones uh, with some emerging companies, the comment section, I have no doubt would be full of salty comments saying that's <laughs> you, that cannot happen that that's insane <laughs> fred um you're a lunatic um pretty much what the comments are like on the video now um <laughs> yeah. you know but I, I think i'm quite optimistic as well fred and i think technologies evolve along with that concepts can turn into reality um as just tech- uh just rewinding a little bit are you on the cell phone wikipedia page liam by any chance because <laughs> 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 just got just got a really good to hand knowledge of cell phone history of you. I know, I know, I do. Well, it's it's the old mo- a, Motorola, Motorola's? Motorola. Yeah. There's, there's Motorola. a few nineties nineties movies where they've got like a phone in the car. I mean, my dad had a phone in his car, and it was wired in. Wow, mate, you a proper was... posh, mate. You had a phone in. Your car. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> what proper proper Surrey boy, man? Oh, I did, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this is uh, miss, there's a scene in Mrs. Doubtfire where she uh, Sally Field iconic actress uh takes a call in the car and she's got this enormous like flip phone brick thing with an aerial on it like on her hat yeah. in her hat it's like oh, oh yeah. this is flip phones is... were the best after the matrix oh man you're just yeah. walking around flipping your phone oh mate like a boss yeah. nothing An absolute will... j no one's nothing calling just, yeah yeah nothing was better than hanging up on someone <laughs> with a flip phone you just, like, yeah, <laughs> yes. the conversation's over even if it's like your mum or your sister just like bang done yeah Shut it down. <laughs> but you know what? Like, continuing the phone analogy, like, phones were a certain thing and a certain idea until Apple came along and made the iPhone as well, right? So you can have, um, and they completely <laughs> like who designed every phone. Like, every phone you see now essentially was designed by Apple, right? The actual core principles of mm. the design are designed by Apple, not by anyone else, right? Apple led the way with that. I'm not the biggest Apple fanboy here, right? I'm quite critical of them and their company and their products. I got an iPhone though, but I'm not one of these people <laughs> like, yeah, oh Apple, got an iPhone, though, because it's really good. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It, it just good. works so well, you know. It does. I like the pixels though. Google are making moves, man. They're making moves. I'm I telling hate you. you. Thanks for the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, 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 right? So with with that with with the phone analogy, like Apple came and changed it, com- completely rewired what phones were, right? And there were smartphones and like leading up to Apple, but they were rubbish. They weren't accessible. They were hard to use. They looked really complex. I think the only real early competition to the iPhone was the BlackBerry, and that died. That died, oh, mate. Death. Oh, yeah. I, used to, I used to have a BlackBerry, and trying to do. I remember looking at Excel spreadsheets on that was the oh, hardest. <laughs> it was the hardest thing to do. <laughs> it didn't work, mate. It just oh, didn't. Terrible. It didn't work. It, it, Sending it, emails it, on that was yeah. Oh, mate, it's nice. It's you just pick up the phone, don't you? 
But it could it could be one of those like we're we it, it's we're, the technology's there, right? The tech is there, and this is what Elon Musk did, right? He can't he he opened this up for other people to to look at, right, and to to work on. Probably because he was like, look, I think there's something special here, but I don't know what it is, and I don't know how we could execute it properly right now, and maybe just haven't got the time. So someone else do it, and it, and it will happen eventually. And all that's all it takes, right? All it takes is for one company, maybe one person, a group of people to look at something and go, actually, we're looking at this slightly wrong. What if we were to do this? What if we were to change the scale of it? What if we were to do whatever? And lo and behold, like Hyperloop could be part of our lives in the next few years because it was only a few decades ago. If you told me that I book all of my hospital appointments, I get my prescriptions, I get, I can pay like just through my phone. I can do so much through a phone. You'd think, oh, that's a little bit Blade Runner in it. That's mm. a little bit like <laughs> little bit 80s sci-fi. But here we are, guys. We're there, right? And I don't know, man. I I think there's something. Do you, and I think that's what you're saying as well, Fred. There's something about this that's undeniably innovative. Something's going to click here. I think we, we've got high-speed mm. rail. We've got maglev, which you know, the stuff they're building out in Japan with maglev is incredible. And I think oh. that that comes, those systems compared to Hyperloop come with acres of capacity. So yeah, there is definitely a next step. Like you, If you look back through human history, we've had these big step change moments in transportation. I do believe there's another one coming. Whether it looks like this or is this or even called Hyperloop, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I should, I should just say, having said earlier that i'm a visionary person or claims i'm a visionary person um i could remember 2005 2006 uh <laughs> with my with my little ipods being like hearing the rumors about the iphone and being like uh why would i i don't want my ipod to ring why would i want my music and my phone in the same place i like yeah. my phone i like my flip phone i like my ipod i don't want to merge them this is crazy yeah um, shows and that's the, the truth you're, you're <laughs> a proper truth. you're a proper apple fanboy though fred as well aren't you <laughs> what do you You're mean by that? I, I, I have, I have, I'm on the Apple platform. Yes, I have an Apple Watch and an okay. Apple the phone. Apple ecosystem and yeah. a Mac. I, ecosystem. I just know you're a big fan of Apple. You're, you're a big. I'm not. Not. I mean, I yes, I would. I would buy an Apple product over other products, but I'm not a big fan of their kind of uh, corporate social approach necessarily. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Hello, guys. If you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get a bit deep now. Get a yeah, bit wow. deep. Oh man, yeah, it's exciting stuff. I can't wait. I really want to go to Japan and ride one of those bad boy trains. You know, it's and there's a, there's a new film coming out soon, isn't there? Bullet Train. So that kind of links um, into what we're talking about. Neom in Saudi Arabia is Hyperloop still proposed for that? I don't know. There's been some. It's been some juicy renders come out on that this week. Yeah, um, it looks beautiful. It looks so good. Yeah, I mean, again, is that going to become a thing? <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's still be part of it. What was really interesting is when I bring it up again, name dropping. When I interviewed Sir Richard Branson one to one, he said to me that he sees one of the big potential uses of this as connecting airports between countries, like either connecting Heathrow and Gatwick or connecting Dubai Airport and Abu Dhabi Airport. And I couldn't help but think, and I didn't, I didn't say this to him to his face, but I couldn't help but think there's a there's a great screaming lack of ambition there. You know, we it's, it's almost like this is going to end like a monorail. You know, you know how now everyone's like, oh, the monorail is the future, and now it's it's there's like a monorail between the North and South Terminal at Gatwick Airport, and there's a monorail at Disney World, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> and that whole segways. <laughs> like a segway is going to be a big thing. And now it's yeah, just like, you know, yeah. the, the mall, the mall security guard has a segway and that's it. Um, yeah. I just think, I, I, yeah, it could end up just being, oh, yeah, have you seen that cool train they've got between the uh, the West Terminal and the East Terminal in Abu Dhabi? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, it's a bit lackluster, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I suppose that these kind of things only time can tell. You know, I think there's something magical there, but again, we have to wait and see how it's executed and how much it will cost. You know, it could be that it's just right now, it's just too expensive. 
like maybe we're just not there yet. The principle's there. But that's like with a great deal of things. You know, the principle, the knowledge is there. We know how to do this. We know how to build a tower taller than the Burj Khalifa. But, you know, the money or the investment or even like the need isn't necessarily there. So we have to wait. So yeah. maybe it's a bit like that. If you're listening to this podcast in like 20, 30 years time and you're like a student <laughs> researching what people thought about High Blue or like, you know, early <laughs> early discussions around this new technology um, on something called a podcast. They called it in 2022, they called it a podcast. Um, yeah. Hello to you. Good luck with your projects. Please be kind <laughs> to us. <laughs> Also in the news this week, guys, we have got an ancient face mask-inspired museum uh, in China in this incredible archaeological site near Chengdu. Pretty dramatic bit of architecture that's been designed to yeah look like the ancient face masks that are being carved, uh, sorry, excavated from this nearby archaeological site. Um, pretty incredible bit of architecture. What do you guys make of this? Yeah, big fan. I think um, anything from Mad Architects, I typically, I t- I t- I'm typically a big fan of. Um, I love it when buildings are sort of designed to emerge, you know, into the land or from the land. It's very aesthetically pleasing. You know what I mean? It just, it just yeah. seamlessly yeah. fits. It looks so natural. Um, and I think it, it's cool. I think I, I see China seems to be embracing um, timber a lot in a lot of their construction projects as well, which is which is good to see across the board. Yeah, I think this is gorgeous again it seems like every week including with our test episodes we're always talking about a new projects from china mm, I know. you know they're re- they're really going for like iconic landmark yeah. style structures aren't they in buildings there and, is a strategy um, there is a strategy yeah. to bring in big name architects and build cultural yeah. landmarks to kind of yeah it, it's an, it's an establishment thing partly it's about establishing their presence on the world stage. Yes, yes, but it's in these places that like I don't always hear of. Like, and I'm, I'm I, I like my geography, but how, how did you even pronounce this city, mate? Chang, <laughs> Chengdu or something? <laughs> Chang- I was trying to get through this without having to pronounce it. I'd carefully, <laughs> I carefully planned my intro so I wouldn't have to pronounce San, it. Um, Zanjing, I don't know if it's Zanjingdu. It's ne- this place Sang- is near Chengdu, which I know I'm pronouncing right, which is a yeah. major... Yeah, I know Chengdu. Yeah. Mm. yeah, everyone knows Chengdu, don't they? Everyone knows Don't, don't ask Come me on. to put it on a map, but anyway, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's in China. It's <laughs> Central China, I believe. Um, and the archaeological site is called, and I'm going to please email in and correct us, guys. This is the Sanjingdu archaeological site. Yeah. Sanjingdu? Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, well, it's pretty dope, know. though, isn't it? It's pretty cool. Like yeah, the good. the, it looks beautiful. It reminds me a wee bit of the Eden Project, like the way a bit like what um, Liam was saying. The way it just kind of comes out of the ground, but in a really natural way. Like it, like it is um, an archaeological exhibition or something. You know, they're just kind of yeah. It's it, it's gorgeous. It's undeniable. It is absolutely gorgeous. It just feels like for as and again from a, like a western centric point of view as uh you know three british guys it seems like looking at these kind of things is one thing but then it feels almost a bit unattainable visiting them yeah i should just flag that liam's from new zealand i can see his face uh, <laughs> congealing as you said that Luke. oh yeah <laughs> like, what did i say three british guys three british guys i mean i mean you're pretty much like like well, English. Britain's- well, I've got a passport. Yeah, you're like, you're like, you got a British passport? Yeah, I got a British passport. Oh, mate, that's yeah, mate. that's mad. You also Liam got Marsh a- will choose his nationality depending on what's happening in the world. I'll I tell will. you now. I will. No shame. <laughs> what's the other one then? A Kiwi? Is it a New Zealand passport? The other one? Yes, Luke. The New Zealand passport is a New Zealand passport. And what about <laughs> but you live but you but hear me out you live in Australia I live in Australia so uh, New Zealand uh, you're in Australia a mad can, lad can travel uh, freely basically with no visa between each country 
you're a mad lad, mate. You're a ma- no wonder I'm confused, mate. Like <laughs> too many nationalities going on here. Like uh, like Daniel Craig under his bed, he's got a box with like all different passports in, all different currency, some guns. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Just goes wherever. <laughs> oh, living the yeah, dream. Sorry, Liam. If you, haven't, if you haven't seen this uh, this Chinese museum yet, guys, <laughs> there is uh, a very cool CGI video of it up on our Instagram and across our social media. They've kind of taken the the kind of domed eye shapes out of these ancient face masks and then made them into the doming form of the museum, and they look like hills that kind of merge in with the surrounding landscape. Again, in the renders, what still looks like when it comes out and actually yeah. gets built. Yeah, yeah, um, true. But as a bit of design. 10 out of 10 from us. The, the architecture critique here, which is never very uh, never very intense. <laughs> <It's>, um, <laughs> we love it. Oh, it looks good. I love it so we much. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> so now we are going over to uh, my favourite part of the show, funny comment of the week with Mr. Liam Marsh. What you got for us, mate? Uh, I've got a few this week, mate. I've got a few. Um, one... Which which made me chuckle. Uh, just just speaking on salty comments on the Hyperloop video, um, Steve Smith commented, "Unsubscribed, nothing else." <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> oh, just so dramatic. Just so dramatic. It's just you know, it's a follow up video. It's really informative. We don't have a stance on it. We're just reporting the facts. You know, reporting yeah. the destruction news. Um, it's well so, produced. So- you watched it for free. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. I mean, you could just unsubscribe. You don't need to. <laughs> you don't need to write it. Thanks for the comment, though. Thanks for helping to boost the algorithm and get us more views by commenting. That's much appreciated. Exactly. Any engagement's good engagement, if you ask me. <laughs> um, and we have one from Cole Van. He says, "Dang, sounds like it's time just to build a normal train." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've got, I've got yeah. one more. This is, this is my favorite one. This is what I was touching on with the um, CGI um, from it as well. So Peter Santos, the most fascinating thing about the Hyperloop is the CGI. It's <laughs> utterly true. <laughs> that is a fact. That's the best thing about it. It is, <laughs> it is nice CGI. They know what they're doing with the CGI, don't they? It's almost like they want to yeah, convince their investors a... by getting some nice CGI and big name architects I... on board. <laughs> maybe, mate. Maybe. It, it'd be pretty pricey um, putting that CGI together. Yeah. Hmm. I th- the comment about let's just build a normal train, I mean, because we're so good at that worldwide, aren't we? You know, most, most major rail infrastructure <laughs> projects are on time and within budget <laughs> maybe we should get the um was it the norwegians that were building the tunnels and the pharaohs uh, maybe they can come over and build some trains for the rest of the world, the world. they seem pretty pretty efficient in yeah, whatever sort of infrastructure they, they do give it to norway yeah norway is yeah. pretty much like one of those places where you're like yeah a lot of things are good here you know <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you go there and you're like yeah these guys got it figured out you know yeah. Uh, Have you guys ever been to Sweden? Yeah. I okay. love Sweden. Oh, mate. Yeah. I went to Sweden and I was a young man. I was in my early 20s. And the first thing I noticed is, is, is it's true what everyone says about Swedish people. They are the most attractive people out of anyone that I've ever seen. Out of any country that I've been, everyone was just good looking. It was, it was quite intimidating. I was like, geez, everyone. Yeah. Scandinavia generally, mate. Yeah. It's really good genes in there. Well, I suppose it depends what you're into, but (laughs) (laughs) But if you're into like blonde, (laughs) I don't know, like, yeah. But um, Liam had a journey in Sweden. He was uh, suddenly Mm. finding his body was asking him all kinds of questions, didn't know what he felt. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I remember, we'll probably, maybe we edit this out, but I remember seeing a, a homeless guy and he, he was dressed. His his kit was awesome. He it just looked, um, he had like a nice leather jacket, really good trainers on. I was like, Jesus, that's the most well best homeless. Uh, well, was he uh, was he homeless best- or just outside, just sat on the bench? I don't know, man. He was sitting <laughs> was on the ground. He was sitting on the ground. <laughs> <and he'd> look- <laughs> he was sitting on the ground and he had a bottle of, bottle of spirits next to him. Yeah, that's classic, mate. That's classic Sweden. Yeah. Like, oh, come on. <clears throat> I love Stockholm. Have you been on? Did you go on the underground in Stockholm? Yeah, I did. I and did. it's like they've just 
kind of got that this cave system. Yeah. And they just color they paint the caves, don't they? It's yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Have you Fred, you would love it, mate. Like, <laughs> have you been? I haven't, mate. I've been through the airport to my shame, but not Oh actually. yeah, Arlanda. <laughs> Bit of Stockholm Arlanda. Love Can't a bit of it. Stockholm Arlanda. I also went on a work trip to the north of Sweden um, for the first time. Was it the first time I went to Sweden? I don't know. But I went there in the summer and um, there was only like two hours of nighttime. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I didn't pull my blinds. Was like, it just cool? out of habit. Could you, could you sleep? No, I woke up at like 2.30, but I didn't yeah. check the time. I just woke up and thought, oh, I'll start getting ready now. Went to Lou, like brushed my teeth, started watching some YouTube. Yeah. And then I, I looked at the time and I was like, what? It's three o'clock in the morning. But your body just like wakes up. Yeah, I just yeah. didn't pull the blinds. It was just a like I pulled the first layer of them, not the blackout bit. Yeah. I was like, oh, right, okay, that's what we're doing. It's a shame. Um, you beautiful there, country, though. For winter, Luke. I really wanted, when I was traveling in my... Well, my twenties and things like that. I, I've always wanted to go to the Ice Hotel in the north of Sweden. Oh. Have you heard about that? It's an yeah. entire hotel. I, I don't know how yeah. it works. I haven't really looked into it, but the, the concept of it, I've seen a couple of pictures just looks insane. Mad. Like yeah. what the hell? You yeah. know what I mean? Ice Hotel. I love it, man. Love the Nordics. Love Scandinavia. Mm. I love the food there as well. Like oh, the food you? is really good in uh, yeah, I really like like reindeer and that. Oh my yeah, days. Yeah. Come on, so good. Whoa, 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 hang on. Will you eat reindeer? Yeah, man. It's like, it's classic dish, mate. What's reindeer it, it with like cranberry like oh. and you it's just like a really, it's just like a really tender, <laughs> you're a mon- monster. <laughs> mate. Just, just, might be kids, might be kids listening to this. Yeah, we're talking about Lapland guys. Yeah, Luke's been up there and eating the reindeer. I no did, presents for you this year. I did eat Lapland. I did eat not Lapland. I did eat reindeer in Lapland, and it was great. It was really good, mate. Oh. If you look at a cow, cows are beautiful. Cows, cows are, are really funny. nice, and yet I still go McDonald's. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like a fillet of fish, because like, I, I, I think you only get fillet fishes from there, mate. <laughs> exactly. I I had one the other day. You did guys you? didn't even reply to it on the oh, group mate, chat. I was disgusted. No. I actually deleted. I that chose photo from my oh. thread. Uh, I chose not to engage with that, Luke. I'm not going to give well, oxygen to that. You lot are horrible. I said, look, with extra cheese, because Liam keeps going on about how in Australia Wait, not- you can customise your orders. And I'm like, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> you can. Well. <laughs> I live at the moment of McDonald's in East London, and I could right. not. Every night I'd go in there, and I'm like, yeah, mate, can I get a Big Mac with a McChicken fillet? And the guy was just like, get out, man. Because <laughs> you're in East London, mate. They're like, oh, forget it. Can't be bothered. Yeah. Oh, don't call me there a monster, mate. You, you, you do that. You ate a reindeer. Like some, some but, things are culturally acceptable. Like, like uh, pigs, cows, chickens. What? Fine what? to eat. Hello, if you're vegetarian <laughs> or vegan. Sorry about that. Um, but you can't eat pigs. a reindeer or a horse. That's just like not right, in my view. Um, what? Nah, you've been brainwashed to yeah, think that. Yeah, why not? That. You've it's been like brainwashed to mate. Where's Rudolph, Rudolph Dee? Luke ate him. They're so good, honestly. Aquavit in London is a Scandinavian restaurant that I would strongly recommend. Mm-hmm. So take your missus there Ooh, and have the reindeer. Christmas uh, B&M Christmas dinner there, Fred. <laughs> you can't eat a reindeer, reindeer special. Steak of reindeer. Dinner, that's horrific. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm horrified by this conversation. Um, I I reckon I'd eat the any animal. I reckon I'd eat any animal. I try it. I try anything at least once. <laughs> I would. I'd try anything at least once. Oh, that's a apart YouTube from, video. Apart from like rodents. <laughs> apart from rodents, I wouldn't eat, wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't dabble in rodents. But that's a YouTube video. What will Liam eat? Yeah, serve it up and see if he eats it. <laughs> I feel like starting a protest movement now called uh, Save the Reindeer. But also, I heard yesterday because um, I was again on a on a film shoot with some of the B one M team that uh, apparently because we ordered some coffees, uh, and in New York there's a surcharge on coffee if you order oat milk. So it's like an extra fee you have to pay for oat milk in New York. And this guy apparently organised this on street protest called End Oat Milk Surcharge. <laughs> So, forget forget climate change. Forget the housing <laughs> crisis. He's on the street having a protest about the oat milk surcharge in coffee in Manhattan. <laughs> I mean, how much? How much is the surcharge? Hang on. How much is the surcharge? Oh, I don't know. It's I don't not know. a lot. 
It's, but sure? we have that here, don't we? We have the same here. Like it's just they go. Oat milk's they like make it out p. like it's up. Yeah, it's like oh, add seventy p for oat milk or like fifty p or like. Do you know what I mean? It's not a lot. Like, but it should be less, I suppose. But if more of us buy it, then it becomes more normalised, doesn't it? Oat milk in coffee is the one. Mm. Like to add, it is you, unreal. It's better reckon, than normal milk. You reckon if more of us buy it, they'll put the price down at the goodness <laughs> of their heart? <laughs> yeah, what I can. You reckon they'll go? Yeah. Oh, the market's the market's growing. Let's make it cheaper for everyone. Of course yeah. they won't. No, it will encourage more competition, Fred. <laughs> okay. More competition, and then they'll be like, "Look, let's get more oats and milk the oats, <laughs> milk, <laughs> milk the little oak uh, oat teats, and then more milk will be." Available. <laughs> I don't feel. Oh, um, I don't feel doing the hand movements. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I don't feel sufficiently briefed for this uh, this fiscal economic row that I'm having about, <laughs> about yeah. milk and its pricing. But anyway, um, I'm probably wrong. So let us know what you think of today's episode, guys. If you've been affected, <laughs> if you've been affected by any of the issues, if you if you live in the Faroe Islands, if you're Daniel Craig, uh, if you support or hate Hyperloop, uh, if you design museums in China, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you've had a fillet of fish in the past week. Um, or if you've eaten a reindeer, email us, let us know. What do you think of the oatmeal, oatmeal surcharge? Throw that in there as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get your emails oh, coming outrageous. in. Outrageous. Podcast at the B1M.com. Um, I might give out Luke's personal email address actually on the reindeer stuff so you can give him some direct hate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really good. It's really, really good. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, uh, we want to hear from you. Email us in. You've got a higher chance of having your email read out if you give us a nice review, tell your mates, and recommend this podcast to them. Um, been good chatting with you guys. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Bye.